it is the hip thing right now and the full belief is on bitcoin and ethereum and like two others maybe um but in 10 years you don't know what's the next hip thing right in this space i would compare to like the social networks where myspace was it and now it's facebook and because it's just software and welcome back to investing 404 the podcast for amateur investors for amateur investors i'm gov and i've chris here with me we've both been investing for over a year and we'd like to give an insight on how we analyze companies for investment all right, welcome back all. Today's the big one, uh, Bitcoin, right, Goff? And this will immediately divide the room, as you said last time. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the one topic that no matter where it's brought up, people just either hate it or love it. Um, so it'd be interesting to see your thoughts um, on, on the subject itself. Yeah, it's great. There seems to be only two camps on one side of the fence, and I think we are firmly on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's very well put. Uh, I don't think we're either, we're not very pro or very uh, against it, I don't think. But let's see. I mean, I don't know all your different points. So let's have a look at uh, where we go. So if that wasn't clear, today we'll just talk about Bitcoin. If you have no interest at all in Bitcoin, then you might want to listen to the last one. Uh, if if you do have interest in Bitcoin, or if you're firmly on one side of the fence and think it's worthless, or think it's the best thing on earth, then it's probably the right episode to listen to. Yeah, and if you think our description or our viewpoints are trash, just, you know, uh, make sure we know it on our Instagram page <laughs> at <laughs> Investing404. Uh, so the structure for today's episode will be quite simple. Um, we'll try and give you a quick um, overview of what we think Bitcoin really is, uh, pros and cons, and kind of what's been the, the real push on the surge. Um, I, I say uh, what we really think because it really is complicated sometimes. So, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll delve into it a lot deeper in um, uh, further episodes if we have to. Yeah, I think, uh, Gov, what we'll do, right, is give a, give a small one-liner on the definition of the different topics. And then in the next few learning segments, we'll delve into the detail a bit more. You know, what's a blockchain? What's, what does a miner do? Um, so so you, you can get a small intro now, but if you really want to know the detail, don't listen to us or listen to us on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for a second there, Chris, I thought you were going to do your standard, uh, uh, do your own research. <laughs> <laughs> oh that hang on hang on that's that's important actually do your own research because again you're listening to two amateurs here <laughs> yeah none of this is actual investment advice right so bitcoin um so what is bitcoin bitcoin is essentially a cryptocurrency uh what that means is it's a digital currency right so i have um cash in my wallet and i have money in my bank account that i pay through my card Right? The difference between paying on something on my card is that it's processed by a company somewhere and it's also regulated by a centralized uh, division right? Uh, and centralized units. Uh, the difference with something like Bitcoin is that none of those things happen. It's completely unregulated and it's decentralized. And what that means is essentially it's just a number. And the number has whatever value that we assign to it because the value... Uh, is not actually backed up by someone or some entity, right? And essentially how that works is if I was to send some Bitcoins from myself to Chris, um, that transaction uh, that transaction will have my ID 
and Chris's ID. Both IDs are tracked and put and recorded on a ledger. And the difference between this uh, being centralized, not centralized, is that this will mean that it gets recorded on a blockchain. And what that means is it's recorded on multiple different devices across the blockchain. So every single person uh, who's be processing this will have that transaction show up. And that's refreshed over 100 times in a day. And it just records that transaction so that the risk of counterfeit money is extremely low because that transaction everyone will record that transaction. Say I give one Bitcoin from myself to Chris, which is worth a lot now. Uh, <laughs> it, it gets recorded everywhere. So the likelihood of someone coming in for some fake money will be quite low. And, and really, in essence, Bitcoin, uh, as stupid as it sounds, is just a piece of software. Um, it's some guy, and we'll get to the trust aspect that still no one knows who's invented it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Put out this software that allows you to tr put real money into these virtual coins and it's open source so it doesn't belong to anyone i think that's that's the key uh that you know the bank of england doesn't own this the the, the treasury in the us doesn't own this it kind of belongs to everyone and no one um, and as Goff just alluded to that blockchain element means that there's servers all around the world and we'll get to that i think in the learning segment next week uh, that just provide their computers and they get a small reward to stand up uh, this globalized system. So it doesn't belong to anyone. And that's probably the, the, the key to, to all of this. So, but, but that the question arises then, which is, um, well, how do you actually get these coins, right? And it's super complicated and we won't go into it for this episode for sure, which is essentially it's a super complicated procedure uh, where it's like number hashing and code matching where you can actually add, you're mining a block onto the blockchain. And the reward for mining that is that the miners will get a couple um, bitcoins as, as, a, as a reward, right? And uh, the downside of doing this, I mean, that sounds like free money. Why doesn't everyone do it? And I think back in the day when it was really not that many blocks on the blockchain, you probably could have done it on a, uh, a just a lay laptop, uh, your spare laptop. But nowadays, the, obviously, if you think about it, more connections happen. And so the, co it, it, the complexity rises more and more as more blocks get added on, right? Uh, and by doing so, it takes a lot of processing power and actual... Um, electrical power and the power surges are so high that actually it's not profitable unless you're able to mine a lot um which is the major inefficiencies here but that's like a quick summary on like what mining that happens and uh, unlike say other currencies where let's say the uk is going through uh, a tough time we might have some quantitative easing which basically just means let's print some money so there's more money lying around and we can just use that money everywhere. Which, ha which has been going on since 2008. Every single currency has been printing money like, you know, it does, what is it, like 5% a year or something like that of right. a new currency? Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, but the point, exactly, Chris. And, and uh, the difference is here, it's not done in that way because people are just trying to add and mine coins anyways, right? And uh, the system is set up in such a way that there's a maximum limit of 21 million Bitcoins that we'll get to. And right now, I think it's around the 18 odd million mark. But 
this stuff takes a long time to mine and it takes a lot of effort. So it's it's something that I think the estimates are like around 2140. Uh, but it, it gives that like structure of just long term of having some confidence because it's not just going to be like, okay, com- uh, country's doing bad, let's pump in a lot of money. I think um, for anyone that has seen the chart recently and Gov and I uh, made a little bit of Bitcoin recently because <laughs> it went from 10,000 in, I don't know, September, October to now we're at 40,000. So it's nearly quadrupled. Gov, give us a, what, what do you think has caused that spike now over the past few months? Um, so just before we go into, I guess, the spike itself, I think it's people might see this spike and be like, hang on. Didn't I hear like Bitcoin a few years ago and like it spiked and it made lots of people lots of money and you had like these teenagers who became like millionaires. So and then it just like crashed. Right. So why has it gone up now? It, maybe it's the same thing. And, and, and if you were thinking like that, I think there's a majority of people who are actually in that boat. So I, I wouldn't feel too bad. But um, there's a couple big differences. And I think we've touched on it in the last few uh, episodes. Um, and the primary difference between then and now is then it was just a, a concept, right, that people were buying into. And uh, the more momentum that concept had, that rose, that, 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 that increased that price of Bitcoin. Whereas now the big surge now has been because there's been institutional investors putting money up. Right. From uh, Square and PayPal. Um, just if you think about that, right, these are the huge sort of payment companies. And if you can start accepting Bitcoin as payment, now suddenly it brings a lot more legitimacy to the concept. Right. And means that people can actually start using it and paying on it rather than paying on pounds or dollars or something like that, which to this day, Chris, blows my mind. Like some guys just gone, here's a piece of foil and we have 21 pieces of foil and you can only pay with pieces of foil. And you're like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll give you a T-shirt for the piece of foil. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like it's crazy that someone's someone's just made this thing up and now we're using that to like buy and sell everything right in the future so uh but yeah i think that's why there's been this big surge in the last few months totally agree and then you keep hearing news of other companies putting some of their money so square's a good example some of their savings some of their cash flow in bitcoin to store for a few months and other companies have done it and even the fact that some hedge funds have gone in has really um made the price shoot up i think because now it's not just uh, like a gamer, like a geek type thing that people invest in. Now real professionals have started to go in and see Bitcoin as a real hedge. And if you don't know what hedge is, Goff has explained it last week. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a real hedge, so something that they use to be protected against the inflation of the uh, governments printing their money. Um, and then still the Bitcoin has like a tiny market cap, so 600 billion. So that doesn't even come close to some of the other assets like gold or, you know, gold, silver, platinum. So if only a handful of hedge funds go into such a small market cap, because there's only so many Bitcoins that are being mined and not many people are willing to sell right now. So you see a real price spikes because essentially not that much is on offer for that many people that want to buy Bitcoin right now. Yeah, there's there's another big reason, uh, which is that 
you will notice in the last, let's say, few months, there's been turmoil around the world, right? With um, corona to instability in the US to instability in the UK. There's turmoil all around. And when there's turmoil everywhere and the markets are hugely volatile, um, investors um, look for other ways of investing the money so that they can uh, they can ensure they have sort of consistent growth, right, in their portfolio. And this is why Chris keeps mentioning gold, is typically gold is that medium. Uh, so people would buy gold to... Uh, make sure that their invest in their investments don't get screwed over by the dollar going down a lot, or etc. Um, etc. Et right. So um, this is why um, the comparison to gold is quite apt in the sense that in the future it could be that people use Bitcoin in just is a similar sort of function um, to gold. Uh, with that, Chris, um, let, let's let's get into the meat of it, which is. The pros and cons, and I, I want I want to hear why you love it and why you hate it. Yeah, and and when you do that, Chris, uh, just for the listeners, right now we're talking about the pros and cons of Bitcoin itself, not the pros and cons of investing into Bitcoin. It's just a that seems like a very small difference. Like, uh, God, what's the difference between like pros and cons of investing in it versus pros and cons of the company? But it means quite a lot depending on. Uh, how your investing strategy. So I think we just go into pros and cons of Bitcoin itself and what you think about Bitcoin itself. Yeah, let's start with the first one. Um, and I, I, you can, it's it's usually put in the camp of uh, negative points, but the value, right? Why, why is something that was made up by a guy that we still don't know who it was <laughs> suddenly worth, what, what is it, uh, recently 40,000 per one coin and what is even one coin right um you know that that's that's the biggest argument that's always being used and you could you could um if if you even step back you could you could say the same thing about anything we have right now why is gold a simple metal worth one thousand eight hundred dollars an ounce why the why is that piece of paper you have in in your wallet worth ten dollars or ten pounds right if if you step back and it goes even further everything we have that we ha- our jobs our company what wh- what makes the company worth 1 billion 10 billion is it the machinery they have is it the people that work for it is it the houses or the patents they own i don't i don't actually know so what makes a company a company if you took all those people and machinery out of that one company into another company, does that make the other company worth equally as much? Like it's the entire our entire world is built up on belief systems, and maybe this goes too deep for like a Sunday morning. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chris, Chris has really got his. Uh, for people listening, it might seem like Chris has got his philosophy hat on, but actually, I think he's just read *Sapiens*, uh, and he's just like, oh, cool, <laughs> really smart. That's a great book, by the way. A great link. Um, no, but it's an interesting point, Chris. Um, it, but I think more um, relevant, I guess, to currency specifically, um, there used to be a time where your your currency was backed by gold. So you could go into the Bank of England or, or in the US, a similar body, and get like gold or get the bank to give that value and hold that value. So $5 or £5 meant £5 because... 
it wasn't just a piece of paper you were giving someone. It was a piece of paper that they could at any point go to the bank and make sure they got their full value, no matter what happened to um, anything else, right? And as soon as that stopped being the case, which was, I, I, I'm not sure on the timeline here, but it, it, as soon as it stopped being the case, it, money just became a number on a screen, right? And and now it's not backed by anything. It's not measured by anything. So uh, having it centralized uh, and having it backed by, say, the UK government or whatever, doesn't have that much value uh, tied to it. it Exactly. And even even when it was backed by gold, um, imagine there was suddenly a massive asteroid or whatever, you know, anything could happen where we suddenly find twice the amount of gold that already exists. We would have had huge troubles in our currency system. And, and that goes with like most assets around us, gold, silver, oil. Uh, we don't actually know how much quantity of that is around so how much oil is still in the ground? No one quite knows how much gold is still in the ground. No one quite knows. They're just giving it a value and people are willing to pay that. And a good example of that, the point that Chris is making is um, uh, this little fun fact for the crowd. Um, tulips, <laughs> just the flower, the tulips. The tulips uh, in the 17th century, I think, were worth more than houses. And you think about that, like... It was worth that much. It was worth more than a house compared to today where it costs a couple pounds. And I guess that's the point that Chris is trying to make is that the value of it is so uh, derived and it's not based off of anything, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I see the other argument as well. I see that you know gold has been around for thousands of years. It was a base currency. People have always trusted in gold and that won't go away. Whereas Bitcoin is something that's come about, you know, uh, 10 years ago, it was invented. It's just a computer program. Um, you know, there, there isn't, there, there shouldn't be so much value on it. And I think that comes to my, my main negative, I think, with um, Bitcoin and the concept of Bitcoin, um, is that I think it's just a little bit too complicated to comprehend. And it's it's a, just a little too difficult to just fully understand and how it carries on and the that means the the large scale adoption of it the likelihood of that happening is quite low because it's of that complexity i i see that yeah that's probably why it's taken so long for hedge funds and other uh, asset managers to go in right because they probably didn't understand it and they didn't quite, quite you know, get it. And, and even to this date, I would say Gov and I, we don't fully understand every, every in and out from, from you know, the whole system. <laughs> and, and that was, it's kind of shifted into a positive now, but back in the day, it was just overrun with hacks. People got all their Bitcoins stolen. It wasn't safe. It was a huge hassle to invest in it, right? You had to open, uh, I'm not sure, a friend of ours told us he, he had to send money to the US to then buy some Bitcoin, all this <laughs> stuff. Whereas now I think the game has really changed in Bitcoin's favor. It's become really transparent and easy. I mean, in the US on Cash App or um, here on Revolut or Coinbase, you can just open a wallet and buy Bitcoin very easily. And the costs have gone down quite a lot as well, right? So actually what what 
has been a negative for it now has really changed the last two, three years. As Goff says, I don't think anyone would be silly enough to go into a dealer right now and buy a car on Bitcoin or a house. Um, I don't think people would really accept Bitcoin as a real currency right now. That's just as fair as it is, right? No store even has the ability to value the items in Bitcoin. Like what's a toothbrush in Bitcoin from one day to the other would change by like 20, 30%. <laughs> no one would even be able to keep up. Exactly. And that's the, the other big con with it. Uh, the big negative with it is that the market fluctuations are so quick and so fast, right? Uh, so let alone people don't really understand it. But on the second part, even if they do understand it, how can you make a transaction that, oh, I'm going to buy something for like a tenner, but that 10 pounds is tomorrow worth a thousand pounds. Well, I don't want to pay a thousand pounds to buy what was worth 10 pounds the day before. Uh, let me go to a big positive from my view. Uh, and a big positive from my view is the topic of transparency. <clears throat> and this is incredible because it's not only is it like instant and like there's no like accessibility issues or whatever, but every transaction is recorded across the blockchain, right? So the idea of injecting uh, fake money, fake currency, uh, having issues on transactions, all of this stuff that because they're stored on this open ledger and it's open ledger, so everyone, that data is available to view by everyone across the world, right? Which is way more than any sort of open banking system that happens anywhere, even in like say the Nordics where it's just fully open banking, right? And this transparency brings a whole bunch of positives with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think uh, lawmakers even prefer Bitcoin to cash because they can really trace um, and go into, if they know which wallet bought it and uh, which entry point and which exit point, they can probably trace it through the entire system. Not that that's easy by any, any stretch, but yeah, the, the traceability is a definite positive. I would like to... I would like to loop back though um, and, and go on the negative and that's especially with Bitcoin and why we've created other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum and Bitcoin Cash which actually was created from Bitcoin. But my negative is the scalability and the way Bitcoin was uh, created and invented. It was only created to do a limited number of transactions every uh, minute. And the amount of kilobytes that has to be sent over the entire blockchain uh, at the beginning seemed very small. But now with hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of transactions, Bitcoin is starting to reach more and more limits. In essence, I don't think Bitcoin will ever get to the scalability over the entire blockchain because it's not efficient enough to be able to pay and use it as a real currency. I think the blockchain and the scalability around Bitcoin is not good enough. And that's why they created other variants so like Bitcoin Cash or, you know, Ethereum was created with a similar network, but it was um, created in a more efficient way to be able to have more transactions, less data sent over the blockchain to be able to use it as a real currency. And, and that, that's a key one. So if anyone is interested in it, have a look at really Bitcoin and its scalability. It's really limited. Uh, it will never get to the amount of transactions that right now, you know, Visa, MasterCard can process. Bitcoin will never be able to do that with its current blockchain infrastructure. 
And that probably brings me to my second point and a point that is hardly ever mentioned, but that's climate change. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these hippies that goes out and protests every day, but there's a real problem, right? We all know it. And Bitcoin goes uh, fully against climate change. Hey, hey, don't, 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 don't say everyone. Trump's not on board. So. Uh. No, but a point I only learned about last week when I did a bit of research is that in really it's going completely against climate change. All these servers that are up all over the world trying to mine Bitcoins, keep the network alive, are using up so much electricity uh, one of the worst things for climate change is Bitcoin and its blockchain. And, you know, there's facts like in Georgia, it's using up 6% of the entire energy for the year. Um, in, in, in Iceland, it's something similar. I think it's even higher. And China has even forbidden Bitcoin miners um, to use their servers uh, across mainland China because it was just using too much energy. So if you're found mining Bitcoins in China, you'll be in prison straight away. And I think that's one of the key problems of it. The scalability and the energy usage of Bitcoin is just not future-proof. It can't go on like this. And that, that's a clear, clear negative from my point of view. Chris, let me give you one that's um, both, the, both the positive and the negative in my eyes. That's to do with, I guess, safety and, and uh, anonymity. Whoa, that's a word. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so the, whilst because it's fully transparent and like it's on a blockchain, so which means the traceability is really high, we don't know who buys and sells to who, which if you think about it, is pretty nuts that everything's on this open ledger, but we don't actually know any contact details. We don't know any name. We don't know any numbers. There's no way of checking who this money is going to, which creates its own sort of sort of underworld right where like sort of cd transactions these like dodgy transactions can take place because it's fully anonymous and that's that's what it was useful right uh, over the past few years was just you know people in the dark web buying guns drugs you know all of the things you shouldn't be able to buy using that anonymity of bitcoin right Exactly. And and this poses a big issue for people like, like the regulators, as an example, but they can't do anything about it because this is just part of the system. This is just one of the flaws of the system. So this, this might be one of its biggest downfalls uh, is if, say, the UK or one of these big, uh, big economies just goes, we're going to ban any sort of Bitcoin transactions in this country because we can't protect against this downside. Right. Uh, and if that happens, suddenly the legitimacy of its use dr dr uh, drops drastically. Right. And the, and the value of it will drop drastically. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Bitcoin has a bit of a branding problem overall. <laughs> if we put some marketing on it, um, you know, with all the hacks that have been going on with all the shady transactions, um, it's not the first thing that people would say, oh, I really trust that. Um, and it, it probably leads me to my negative point, which Goff just alluded to, is there's a very, very high possibility that governments will want to intervene soon or at least within the next five years. Because there's a whole, there's a whole second financial system being built underneath them that they don't have any control or access to. 
because you know China has tried to forbid it. Uh, I'm sure other countries will want to eventually because they have no power. They can't intervene. They can't do anything if Bitcoin rises to 200K or if it falls to zero. And even worse, it would do... A, like, imagine if, if Bitcoin really went up to 200K in the next year. It, that would be such a huge cultural shift that anyone who didn't own Bitcoin is kind of on the poor side and anyone that had a bit of Bitcoin are, no, are now the new rich. Um, it's something that governments can't just allow to happen in that way. I, I don't think it will naturally go up that much without any intervention or regulation coming in from the US or the UK. And and to my last point, the US has already forbidden gold before. Like this stuff has happened before, right? The US has forbidden anyone to hold gold, otherwise they'll go into prison. Um, so this is not something that's completely uh, uh, taken out of thin air. Like this is a real possibility. Uh, and the reality is it can't because let's say it becomes the, uh, let's say we see a future where it's the primary use of um, paying for transactions well it can't it can't do that and the governments can't allow that without taking a cut as an example i get paid in pounds and the government makes money through income tax i pay for goods and services which there's then a surcharge or a service tax or vat aligned to it, which the governments get get a get some money off right so if we go into suddenly bitcoin where they're not getting anything and that becomes the primary mode of actual transactions running around. That just won't be allowed to function because it'll be a huge stream of money flows out of the economy than staying within it. That's that's probably the highest short-term threat, right, Gov? That some government comes out and says, if you hold Bitcoin, uh, we need to know about it. Or if you hold Bitcoin, um, there's uh, you're going against the law or something like that. That would really make it crash immediately. So if so, keep that in mind whenever you think of putting all your money into Bitcoin. So so now that you've bashed it a ton, Chris, um, at least the, at least the listeners have heard a few pros from my side. Any any positive at all from your side? <laughs> No, no, no. I, I was fully pro on the value, right? <laughs> um, what Bitcoin has right now is very transparent rules. Everyone can trust these are the rules and this is what's going to happen. We know exactly in four years there's another halving and halving we'll get to in another episode. Um, we'll know there's only ever going to be 21 million coins maximum. So there isn't something like we have right now with our currencies or with gold where someone could just dig up another 20% more gold or where the government can just print another 50% more currency. You know that Bitcoin in 100 years will still only ever be 21 million. And that's, that's the, probably the most positive point for it, that you can just trust these rules that everyone owns. No one can just change these rules by themselves. And everyone is an owner, part owner of these rules if they own Bitcoin. Whereas the Bank of England, to be honest with you, I don't know where the pound's going to be in 10, 15 years. Maybe they'll change it and they get rid of the pound and replace it by the UK dollar. I mean, that sounds crazy, but who knows what's going to happen, right? Um, and that's the clear thing for Bitcoin. And that's probably why I have put money into Bitcoin and will probably leave it there for 10, 15 years. Because it is just... The, the only asset out there that or one of the only assets out there that can probably safely be said 
in 10, 15 years, I know how much of that asset will exist. And I know there's, you know, a certain demand for it because people want to hedge or protect themselves from uh, the standard currencies out there. Yeah, that's fair, Chris. Um, for anyone listening, if you want to do some further research in this, um, pretty much any source that you trust uh, will probably have a few articles, right? So I read a few very good articles on Economist. If you just go on uh, funky YouTube videos, they've got loads on there as well. So uh, just if you want to research, uh, it's pretty easy to research this information. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, again, we're not the experts on this, so do your own research. <laughs> there could always be an error or two in our episodes. Uh, and let us know if we do have an error in there. We'll try to correct it for the next one. Uh, let's talk on whether we think uh, it's a good time to invest right now if you've not invested already. I think uh, as of today, today is the 9th of Jan. It's around 40,000. It, it just dropped down below f uh, the highs of 41K. Um, what are your views on whether to invest today if you've not already got in? It, it's tricky because there's no way to predict where this is heading. Um, I, maybe I can talk from my experience. In, in my mind, I took a little bit of money, and that's really a small, small pr proportion, put that into Bitcoin and kind of I've wrote it off mentally. So if that money goes to zero, I'm, I'm fine with it. But I would like... If, you know, inflation comes in and if Bitcoin does protect against that, I'd like to have that in there. Uh, I don't know. What, what's your opinion, Gov? Yeah, I think it's it's very tricky. Um, in the last couple of weeks, you've had JP Morgan, I think, give a, a price target of 140,000, right? Uh, which, uh, as an example, just illustrates how much this could just uh, fluctuate uh, over the coming years. Um but essentially, my view would be if you're in it, uh, you've probably made a little bit of money and you probably should take a small chunk of profit out uh, because there will be a correction and it's just been flying and it's not going to carry on just flying without any corrections, right? So you should probably uh, look to take a small profit. Uh, if you're not in, I think the best approach would be like Chris is saying, so either first have a think about whether you want to be in. And if you want to be in, just invest with the money that you just write off, essentially. Because it might just be that in a couple of weeks, it just crashes down to 20K or 10K. And then you've lost a quarter. You invested, say, a grand, you've lost 750 pounds if it crashes down to 10K. So, um, yeah, just be careful because it's very volatile. Unlike... Apple or any of the other sort of big stocks that we've been mentioning in the past, this moves a lot every day. It's a 40K, but it moves up and down 5K almost every day. So just be careful of that volatility. Yeah, and, and exactly. That's why you should have a small position. Um, it, it, Bitcoin, I can definitely see people losing sleep over if they have a lot of money in it because it's just too risky. Uh, no one has any idea where it's going to head in a month because if the US comes out and says we'll have to regulate everyone that owns Bitcoin, jeez, you can only imagine where the price is heading. Um, on the other hand, if you know hedge funds go in and see, oh, these other hedge funds have gone in and now I'm losing 20% of my profits or performance compared to these others, so I'll have to go in as well. Um, you just There's no way to tell how many more people will go into the hype or not. Uh, 
<laughs> so tough, right? Yeah, for sure. And and bear in mind, uh, digital currencies are you know coming out almost on a monthly basis. You know, if, uh, if I think even Facebook's coming out with <laughs> Libra, I think. So, like, who knows where this hype's going to go? And if the hype goes elsewhere, um, you'll be sure that this um, price also could just crash. So, um, and go for it with your money. You you took out a small chunk as well, right? You took a little bit of profit, and you're just going to let the rest run. Yeah, since my initial investment, it's almost doubled. Um, so essentially, I took out um, most of what would have been my initial investment, and now I'm essentially free rolling. So um, if it crashes and burns, I've kind of already made my money back almost. So um, so I, I'm in, let's say, a very like uh, privileged position. So and I'm sure a lot of people who who aren't in don't have that. Uh, decision to make but for me it's quite simple because now i don't need to ever think about it um and if, if it goes up high brilliant if it doesn't oh well all right Goff. with that i think uh we've definitely talked enough about bitcoin uh we'll do some more about blockchain and miners in the next few learning segments and like we mentioned earlier if you have any further questions or you disagree make sure you let us know either on our facebook or instagram pages and we'll cover it in our future episodes because um, this is a very complex topic for one and two, people have very strong views on it that we'd love to hear, right? So uh, hit us up on all the social media pages. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, tune in again next week on the weekly 404 where we go over the news, uh, learning segment, and then a 10 bagger. It's a digital currency uh, that's centralized uh, sorry it's decentralized <laughs> <laughs>